Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are back together once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Finished up my traveling yesterday. Took a trek through the hill country from San Angelo over to Waco. What a beautiful part of Texas it is and a very unique part of Texas agriculture. We are back in the saddle in the studio. My name is Kerry Martin. I am part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Transpecus. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Rain will definitely help our Texas High Plains corn grow, but all the moisture we have in area fields right now also means higher risk of plant disease. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Wet weather over the past couple of weeks has caused some major fly issues across parts of Texas, and they're really bothering cattle. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have some tips on what you can do to ward off those pesky pests coming up right here on Texas Ag Today. There will be a slight delay in the grain sorghum harvest in the coastal bend of Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. A year ago, drought was causing big problems for the Texas cotton crop. This year, there's too much rain in some parts of the state. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says excess moisture is causing problems all across the cotton belt. Some of the trouble spots include the wetter areas of the Mississippi Delta. Tennessee leads that region 14%, very poor to poor. Texas, the number one production state coming in, clearly at 13%, very poor to poor. That is actually related to excess moisture as well, especially uh, with some of the heaviest rain that we saw last week, four to eight inches across some of the West Texas cotton production areas. Here's how the cotton ratings shape up in the latest Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report. 6% of the cotton crop is rated excellent. 31% rated good, 50% rated fair, and 13% of the Texas crop rated poor to very poor. 34% of the cotton is squaring, 13% of Texas cotton is setting bowls. It seems everywhere you turn today, climate change is at the center of public policy. Texas Congressman Jody Arrington says the almost religious zeal that's behind that debate is a danger to Texas agriculture. The rancher and those involved in the cattle business are probably the first in the agriculture economy that are being assaulted with this baseless extremist thinking. I think every American wants cleaner air and water and and less environmental impact for their children, and I think that's wise, and I think every farmer and rancher believes in that in their their soul. Nobody depends on the environment and a sustainable environment like like the ag producers. Texas Congressman Jody Arrington. Rain is definitely helping to grow the corn crop on the Texas High Plains, but it's also causing an increase in plant diseases. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. The rain and cooler temperatures we've had lately have certainly done some good for area crops, 
but pioneer hybrid agronomist Russell French says those conditions can also elevate the threat of plant disease. French says for corn growers, one disease to watch out for is gray leaf spot. It overwinters in the uh, corn residue, so those growers that are continuous corn farmers, especially in the no-till, strip-till, where they leave a lot of residue on the surface, definitely need to be paying attention to gray leaf spot. Uh, another disease we can see in the area, it's not as common, but it's uh, northern corn leaf blight. Now, that particular disease does not overwinter here in the, in the high plains, but it blows up from south Texas and Mexico. French suggests farmers consider a fungicide application, especially if they planted hybrids susceptible to gray leaf spot or northern corn leaf blight. Even in the absence of disease, we've documented three, four bushel yield increase to fungicide use here in the high plains. And, uh, you know, with $6 corn right now currently for new crop or in that range, you know, it can make a fungicide an economical thing to do this year. And French says farmers shouldn't drag out making their decisions. Sometimes in the past, they may wait and see what develops, but when you have a widespread outbreak of a certain disease or something, aerial application gets stretched, you know, the wind blows, people get behind, and, uh, you know, if you're a week, 10 days behind getting a fungicide on, and these diseases are starting to really take off in susceptible hybrids, you know, you can get a lot of economic damage. French also warns there are supply issues right now for many ag chemicals, including fungicides, due to things like the pandemic's effect on production and the Suez Canal blockage's impact on transportation. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Plant disease isn't the only problem that this year's generous rainfall has brought with it. Another problem is an abundance of insects, including flies, on cattle. Jessica Domel explains. Recent rains have helped green up pastures across much of Texas, but they've had a not-so-great side effect, an increase in flies. Dr. John Townsend, a dairy technical services veterinarian for Merck Animal Health, says there are several things that people can do to control flies around their cattle. But first, you need to know what types of flies are bothering the animals. Horn flies are most often seen on the backs, sides, and under the belly of cattle. They're going to be really a biting fly and bloodsuckers, so they cause some incredible losses to our cattlemen because of the irritation and the problems that cause for both calves and cows, so really decreasing calf weaning weight up to 15%. There's some researchers say like a loss of a billion dollars a year potentially from those horn flies. Face flies are most often seen on the face of livestock. They're not biting flies, but they'll take the secretions around the eyes. That's very bothersome to those cattle as well. Both horn and face flies lay their eggs in manure. As we look at controlling, trying to make sure we can do the best job we can if they're more confined cattle, that we have good manure management plans being utilized so we can remove the source of where those flies can lay their eggs. So that's kind of starting off. Staple flies are also biting flies. They can be found around the legs, sides, back, and belly of large animals, and the legs, head, and ears of small animals. They lay their eggs in wet, decomposing straw around round hay bales. Dr. Townsend says cleaning up that type of material can help reduce fly populations in the long run. If the flies have already hatched and there's an infestation, Dr. Townsend said it is time to consider daily control with an insecticide. Then you start looking at either ear tags, usually pyrethroid type of ear tags, and or you use a topical either through a pour-on or through uh, back rubs or, or rollers or those type of things to apply those insecticides on them. And those can vary between organophosphates and pyrethrins. The important thing on with either the ear tags or with uh, topical applications is to review their label and make sure it's being used according to label instructions. Parasitic wasps can also be used to help cut down on flies. 
Dr. Townsend recommends working with a veterinarian or animal health professional to determine which methods are best for your operation. High numbers of flies can impact how much weight cattle are able to gain. When insect pressure is high, cattle spend more time trying to avoid them, switching their tails to ward them away, and less time eating. Flies can also be vectors for disease. For example, face flies can spread pink eye within a herd. Again, today's comments were from Dr. John Townsend with Merck Animal Health. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The grain sorghum harvest in the Texas Coastal Bend is a little off schedule this year. Tom Nicoletti tells why. Harvey Buring is standing by with his report uh, on Coastal Bend agriculture. And uh, Harvey, typically at the beginning of July, certainly by July 4th, farmers are in the field uh, harvesting their grain sorghum. But it's a different story this year as uh, there's uh, going to be some delays. Fill us in on that. Fourth of July, the traditional time of the year when combines are rolling and grain trucks are moving and elevators are busy in the coastal bend. But this year, there'll be a little bit of a delay because of uh, several factors, one being uh, a dry start to planting season. And a lot of producers held back until they got a rain to get that sorghum crop up. Then we got those heavy rains in May that produced a lot of tiller heads in these fields and uh, much of the sorghum crop has actually a primary head and a secondary head and of course that secondary head produced by those late rains needed a little more time to mature and so many producers have decided to give it all the time it needs because the good news about sorghum this year Tom is that the price is up and there's great export demand particularly in China for Texas grain sorghum. There's been uh, some rain there in the coastal bend uh, just this past week. And uh, of course, uh, grain sorghum is big in uh, both Nueces and San Patricio counties uh, in your area. So uh, I'm sure uh, farmers are anxious to get out there and get going. That is true. And uh, many of them still need to uh, put a desk cut on to help dry that crop down. And of course, with wet field conditions from this last few days of June, first couple of days of July, scattered showers were prevalent throughout the region and uh, that has further complicated and will further delay sorghum. So I guess the bottom line is instead of the 4th of July this year, sorghum harvest may not get into full swing until possibly the 14th of July this year. But all in all, a reasonably good crop in the making here in the coastal bend area. Not a banner bumper crop, but a good crop thanks to those May rains, and hopefully these recent rains will not damage or further curtail the ability for our producers to get that crop out of the field and to the elevator. Moving over to the pastures as farmers are uh, harvesting their hay. Yes, hay harvest has started as it is throughout much of Texas, and uh, the uh, hay reserves were depleted with all of the cattle feeding here during the dry fall and winter time and hay production looks reasonably good and with these recent rains there probably be some very high yielding fields and certainly the livestock producers are happy about the grazing availability now with the rebound of pastures that took place from the May rains uh, and as we move into the warmer summer months most cattle are in really great shape considering the uh, tough fall and winter that they went through 
and there's still a lot of producers holding on to calves and putting some size on them now that they have available grazing. All right, Harvey, thanks for your report. Thank you, Tom. That again is Harvey Buring reporting for us today on agriculture in the Coastal Bend. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Natural Resources Conservation Service has a number of programs to help Texas landowners improve wildlife habitat. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And all foals should be evaluated by a veterinarian within 12 hours after birth. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that examination coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It's a good idea to have new foals evaluated by your vet within 12 hours after they're born, including a very close examination of their feet and legs. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more. Foals can be born with a number of musculoskeletal issues involving the legs and feet, and some of these need to be diagnosed and treated immediately. All foals should again be examined by the vet at around one month of age to make sure there are no leg or feet problems developing as the foal grows. Hopefully the owners have been training the foal to allow the feet to be picked up so the vet can examine the feet and the farrier can trim the feet without too much stress on the foal owners or farrier. Normally very little trimming is required in the first month of life, but around one month the toe should be shortened or squared to reduce the size of the white line and the heel should be lowered to the same plane as the frog. And all should be done with a rasp only. A hoof knife or nippers should not be needed at this age. The foal should again be checked at two months of age, and generally all that is required is a wire brush to clean the feet and a hoof pick and a rasp. If the foal is getting adequate exercise, there is very little trimming that should be required if the foal is being examined every month. Dr. Steve O'Grady indicates that the idea is to have the foal not walk exclusively on the hoof wall, but rather load all of the structures on the solar surface of the foot. Removing excessive sole with a hoof knife leads to solar bruising and possible flexural deformities due to pain. As the foal grows, the feet should always be trimmed level and avoid trimming one side lower than the other to try and treat an abnormality, as this usually causes more problems than it solves. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. And this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a lot of help available through the Natural Resources Conservation Service for Texas landowners who want to improve wildlife habitat on their property. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The Natural Resources Conservation Service has a number of programs designed to help landowners improve wildlife habitat on their property. Russell Castro, state wildlife biologist for NRCS, says several of those programs and opportunities are designed to enhance and improve wetlands. We've got an easement program called WRE, or our EQIP, Environmental Quality Incentive Programs. We have opportunities for us to go in and do 
shallow water improvements and wildlife habitat improvement practices. We could actually do a lot for our value wetlands to restoring the historic functions and values. Not only are they good for the various species, but they also play a huge part in sequestering sediments and, and pollutants and just overall health of our ecosystems. NRCS is a non-regulatory agency that works hand-in-hand with landowners to solve their resource concerns. It's on a voluntary basis, meaning that the landowner can come to us, ask for assistance. We will provide that assistance depending on exactly what they're wanting and what's needed. We have technical, non-financial assistance. We can come out and just visit with the landowner. And then if we find something that you know they're interested in, we can actually provide some financial assistance to those landowners through our various programs. For more on these programs and to enroll, contact your local NRCS office. Details are also available on the USDA NRCS website. That is nrcs.usda.gov, nrcs.usda.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We had a lower close on Thursday in cattle, cotton, and corn. We'll take a closer look at all of Thursday's market action coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw lower trade throughout the day on Thursday in the cattle complex. We ended up lower on both live and feeder cattle futures. August live cattle dropping $1.32 at $119.27. October down $1.25, $125.45. December live cattle down $1.20 at $130.27. Feeder cattle lower. August down a buck $1.57, September feeders down $1.50, $160.02. October feeder cattle down $1.37 at $162.12. Cash fed cattle trade for the week, selling most of our cattle here in Texas at $120. As you move north, the price moves higher. Nebraska and Iowa reporting live sales as high as $125. Dress sales up north mainly at $200 to $203. Boxed beef prices lower once again Thursday. Choice down 78 cents, $284.12. Select down 99 at 261.09. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Sean Geiswhite sold sheep and goats in Fredericksburg Tuesday. How did it go, Sean? Larry, we ended up with 5,200, and uh, I thought the market was good all the way through. You know, uh, those kids, I called them steady. Their kids bring up to 365 again on some of those good ones, and a few of their kids were kind of steady, kind of from 270 to 320, depending on what they were. And then on our uh, lambs, I quoted them 15 to 
20 higher on the heavy lambs. You know, we had some 95 pounders bringing up close to three dollars. Uh, somebody brought a tip more, but I thought that was awful good. And of course, that's for that holiday, right? Uh, that's kind of what you want. And you know, the lighter door for lambs, uh, better 50 60 pounders kind of bring up to 325. So I thought that was awful good. And on all those billies, of course, it was higher. Uh, some of those uh, yearling billies kind of bring up to 370 a pound. So you know, that's a that's for that holiday, so everybody understands that they're you know, this week, next week, and then after that, uh, probably don't don't anticipate that, but uh, that's what they're kind of looking for is those yearling billies for that holiday and then the nannies you know the better nannies bring uh two forty two fifty some of them up to up to uh i think there's one set of nannies bring up 260 to, to kill so uh i thought that was awful good uh we had some Anagoras nannies this week kind of bring from 240 to, to 280 on some nannies some of them went back to the country so that was good oh no i thought we got along real well uh with the numbers and everybody jumped in there and looked like i sure needed some stock good i understand you've caught plenty moisture it started raining here this morning about 9:30. we started our shooting goat sale and i don't think it, it quit till noon so we're we're knee deep in mud i don't know where where all it rained uh right. today and look hadn't talked to many people our sale was just over so right. we'll just have to go from there we'll tell everybody how to get a hold of you uh you reach us 830-997-4394 neighbor we've been with sean guys white gillespie livestock fredericksburg selling sheep and goats on tuesday cat wednesday i'm larry marble for the texas farm bureau radio network and walk in the pens good day Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs close mix. The nearby July up 95 cents at 110.10. August hogs down two at $100.37. Class three milk closing higher. July milk up two cents, 1697 100. August milk up 63 at 1755. The cotton market closed lower. Of course, traders waiting to see what kind of damage Tropical Storm Elsa causes to the southeast cotton crop. Also, traders keeping an eye on the improvement in the Texas cotton crop. With all the rain we've gotten in West Texas in the panhandle, conditions seem to be improving, and that's keeping a lid on prices. October cotton down 75 points, 87.33. The December down 75 at 86.88. The corn market lower. Good rains across the corn belt. Pressuring prices lower. July corn down 14 and a half, 6.38 a bushel. September corn down six cents at 5.36 and three quarters. Wheat was mixed. Hard wheat higher. Soft wheat lower. July Kansas City wheat up nine and a quarter, 5.90 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down two and a half at 6.12 and a quarter. In the energy markets, August natural gas up eight cents, 3.68. August crude oil up 91 at 73.11 a barrel. The financial markets lower. The Dow down 259 points, 34,421. The Nasdaq down 105 at 14,559. The S&P down 37 at 4,320. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. See you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.